From Phoenix to London. From L.A. to around the world. This is The Ticket. All sports, all the time, with your boys, former NFL Philadelphia Eagle Ray Ellis and Fan Man. Your number one fan-oriented sports talk leader, Voice America Sports. Work it, make it, do it, makes us harder, better, faster, stronger. That, 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 that don't kill me, can only make me stronger. I need you to hurry up now, cause I can't wait much longer. I know I got to be right now, cause I can't get much stronger. Man, I've been waiting all night now, that's how long I've been on ya. Yes, you're listening to Real Sports on the Voice America Network. We're in Phoenix living like it matters. And you know me, it's not all night. I've been waiting all week to get back to the mic. Certainly enjoyed listening to the other guys out there getting a whole lot of information, information from players who actually played the game. Give you a player's perspective of what's happening in, in all of sports, not just the NFL, but uh, but all sports. And uh, But I just, uh, man, I, I just couldn't wait to get back and, you know, uh, the combine is um, right in front of us, and getting an opportunity to see uh, what it actually takes for somebody to uh, convince an, an NFL owner, uh, an NFL team, that they're worthy of being drafted. And uh, for those of you out there who've never had an opportunity to, let's say, be a participant in a combine, uh, for those of you who've uh, never had the opportunity to be uh, close enough to a player who's actually experienced what it's like to be a part of uh, an NFL combine and an NFL draft. I, I can tell you it is different than any other, and I'm going to call it a job interview because that's exactly what it is. It's different than any other job interview that you will ever be a part of in your life. I mean, it uh, it's one of those things that, you know, basketball is, is very similar, but Football is so much different, and it, it it all centers around this thing called the combine. And I, I would be interested to find out who in the heck uh, ever came up with uh, this idea of having uh, uh, this combine. Uh, it is um, something of which all players who play football, once they get into college, they're they're aware of the fact that at some point in time, when they're eligible. Uh, they aware of the fact that they may be chosen uh, to participate in this combine. And again, it, it's, it's one of those things where you're chosen. Not everybody can can just decide I'm going to go to the combine. <laughs> you can't you can't just do that. You have to be uh, chosen to go to the combine. And and because you know that that is one of the things where you know you you earn that right based upon your performance. You know, people say it's a privilege. But you have to earn that privilege. But once you've earned that privilege, how can you be a person like Andre Smith, you know, at Alabama, who, you know, kind of just flubs things up a little bit when he I mean, he's he goes to the combine. And again, this is allegedly because I wasn't there. I don't know. I've read some things. I've heard some things. I know a few people that are out there. Hey, Fish, if you're out there, man, give me a call. I need some inside scoop. Um, but, you know, here's a young man that gets an opportunity to go to the combine to perhaps maybe make up for some things that happened at the University of Alabama. And, uh, you know, he, he, he just, for some reason or another, he was on one page and some other people were on another page. Once you get to the point where you are, you have that chance to participate 
in anything that is associated with the National Football League, you have to operate within their rules. <laughs> you no longer, you know, it, it, you're not in control of yourself and your life anymore. I mean, you you obviously uh, become property, as they call it, property of the National Football League. You Identity has been stolen. You are, you know, I was no longer Ray Ellis. I was number 24 Ray Ellis. That makes you property of the National Football League. And once you choose to participate in these type of things, then you now become property of the National Football League. And they tell you when, where, and how to do just about everything in your life. And so... There's some people out there that are disciplined enough to do that and they understand that. And there's others that don't. Now, I again, and, and I'm talking about a young man by the name of Andre Smith. I'm starting this off talking about the combine because, you know, Andre is the kind of the big story. And the reason why he's such a big story is because there's a possibility that he could lose a lot of big money. I mean, he can go from perhaps maybe the first pick of the draft to certainly one of the top five to the bottom five. And I always tell kids, you know, how important it is to, of course, you got to be athletic. You got to do the best you can. But I, I'm one of those who knows that I didn't spend the money. I didn't spend the time to go out to participate in these uh, exclusive training opportunities to improve my 40 time because I felt that, you know, my thing was I was a football player. So the 40 time and all that, okay, listen, anybody can spend money and go someplace and a person can teach speed. They can teach you how to improve your 40 time. But if you can't play football, you can't play football. So for me, I, I wasn't, and maybe it was a mistake, but the 40 to me, I'm like, okay, I'll just go do whatever I do in terms of the 40, and it is what it is. But when we put the pads on, when I get my invitation to the dance, then I'm I'm going to dance. And it looks like for some reason or other, I don't know what the story is with, with Mr. Smith, but, he, you know, I don't know if it's his agent, because agents are much more involved now than they were when I played ball. And, you know, they are supposed to advise you. But, you know, this man's advice, or lack of, could cost him, you know, in my day, I said my 40 time probably cost me, you know, between a half a million dollars and a million dollars. This young man's mess up or his lack of communication could cost him. It's been reportedly as much as 20 million dollars. Now, 20 million dollars for a lack of communication. Whoever is your advisor, he just lost. And now you have to get a new advisor. Because if, if this was going to cause this much controversy as to, again, what people thought about you, I, I think that that person needs to be fired. So, again, re remember now, these young men who are going into the draft, they're experiencing something they've never experienced in their life. Andre Smith has never, ever had an opportunity to partake in these type of events that prepares a young man for the draft. So if you're going to hire somebody and you're currently working with someone to advise you, I would tell you right now, Mr. Smith, if anybody knows him, if he's listening to this show, Rail Sports on the Voice America Network, fire. Fire whoever the person is that's advising you as to what you should and should not do. That person should have told you that once you check in, 
and you are again a part you you are a piece of property of the National Football League now they tell you when to go when to come where to be where not to be when to eat when not to eat when to miss a meeting and if you can miss a meeting if it's time to go to the facility get on the bus you're supposed to be there when they take attendance put your hand up here i me not a wall a wall costs you 20 million dollars wow okay i got somebody on the line that i got to talk to because he's one of those people that i've known for years he's one of those people who used to tell me when to come when to go when to stop <laughs> when to move, when not to move, but he helped me win and uh, helped a whole lot of people win. Got one of the best programs out there that ever existed. He was a part of it. His son was a part of it. Talking about none other than Coach Wayne Stanley from The Ohio State University. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing fine, Ray. <laughs> I'm proud of you, boy. Well, Coach, listen, <laughs> I, I am proud to be associated with you, with the university, everything the university has stood for, everything it has given me the opportunity to do in my life. But, Coach, this is a mistake that this young man made. And what's interesting is this young man, <laughs> believe it or not, has a tie to the Ohio State University. And I'm, watch me tie this up now. Okay. The tie that this young man has to the Ohio State University is the fact that even though he went to the University of Alabama— his coach at the University of Alabama is a product of the Ohio State University because he was my coach. Yeah, Nick Saban. That's exactly right. Now, I know the type of person that Nick is, and I know this young man got into a little bit of trouble prior to the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, w- I mean, when we're talking about millions of dollars here. What could he be thinking about to not communicate with those folks there at the Combine and, and to – you know, to be expected to be in a place that he wasn't, and then this affect him and his character as an individual. Do you think they should be that hard on him? What do you think? Can you read into this, Coach? Well, now, now explain the situation to me again, Ray. Well, well, the situation was Andre Smith, who is, you know, supposedly, you know, the number one lineman in the draft, you know, coming out of the University of Alabama. Oh, yeah, I heard about that situation. Yeah, and it's a situation where as uh, a supposedly he did not communicate with the folks there at the NFL Combine about his intentions to leave, and therefore they were expecting him to be someplace where he wasn't and no one was aware. And now that gets into the into the mindsets of those coaches who are there to evaluate him, his talent as well as his character, uh-huh. and it made – he may drop from you know from the top five to the bottom five, and that's about twenty million dollars. You know that's that's very unfortunate that the young man is going to be evaluated that way when he didn't have an opportunity to present himself. But that's the way it is in the NFL. They look for an opportunity at the combine to devalue the players uh, for some reason, um, and I don't know why. Well, it's all about the dollar, mighty dollars is what it is. And if this kid showed any signs of poor character. Uh, and then with the situation that he had there at the University of Alabama combined, that's going to really, uh, yeah, that's going to take a lot of money out of his pocket. Now, Coach, let me, let me just say this. And by the way, when you hear music, we're going to have to take a break. Okay. Uh, you not only have been a coach, you've been a father. So you've been, in a, you've been a father uh, figuratively and then, you know, a coach. 
And both of those people do a lot of teaching when it comes to the people in their lives. Now, this young man has been at the University of Alabama, obviously, you know, a, a great teacher, Nick Saban. Yeah. Uh, you know, do you think he was not taught to adhere to rules and regulations? I mean, why is he at this point in his life seems as if, you know, there's some discipline that's missing here? Yeah. Well, it, it, it sounds like it's, it's the, um, see, because once he declared, Nick, um, he's out of the uh, control of the people at the university. I mean, uh, Ray, and he's out of control of the people at the university. And then he's being advised by an agent. There you go. The person that, 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 that cost him this money, supposedly, because he would have been communicating with all the people and they would have been communicating with them. The people at the um, the combine would have been com- communicating with his agent. His agent would have been communicating with them, supposedly, and not the kid. And uh, those, the, his agent, is the person that cost him that money, not not Nick Saban. I'm sure, without question, that this kid has been taught the proper way of conducting himself on and off the football field and about being places on time and where he's supposed to be. Hey, Coach, I appreciate that. Listen, I want you to hold on because, as I said, when you hear music, we got to take a break. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and we'll be right back after this message. to the pros we we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports so andy serling packed his bags left the city and is enjoying his temporary digs in saratoga but that won't stop us from bringing you playing to win the best online handicapping show for serious horse players catch andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of august on location from the beautiful saratoga race course he and his guests are some of the best in the biz they bring you new insights to making money and they tell it like it is i'm three five one in this race but the three is very much the one to be we're going to completely disagree on this race i absolutely disagree Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. 
Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. We're back. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. By the way, I have on the line with me Coach Wayne Stanley, formerly a running back coach at The Ohio State University. Coach, I want to welcome you back to the show. Let me just finish that, that comment that you made as we went to the break there because it was, it was a shared comment, in my opinion, as well. And that was that perhaps maybe the money – and even the circumstances that this young man finds himself in and he has to defend himself about, a lot of it could have been alleviated provided he got the proper consultation and advice from his agent or whomever is representing or advising him at this time. And and we don't know that they did or they didn't, but certainly I think you and I of the opinion is that once these advisors step into your life, that they should be held accountable. And, and this is a major one where somebody obviously advised him uh, the wrong way. Is, is that what you feel as well, Coach? Yeah, I definitely feel that way. Um, something similar happens to my son as well. My son was... Hey, Coach, before you go further, come on now. You you can't just say something, you know, like that happened to my son. You you got to say who your son is. I mean, your son, especially to, to me and the hearts of those people out there that are Buckeye fans. Now, you got to introduce Demetrius... Properly, come on now. <laughs> okay, my son is Demetrius Stanley. He's uh, now doing uh, sports uh, analyzing for uh, ABC Channel Six here in Columbus, Ohio. Yes, but it's ABC nationally. And uh, he was formerly a wide receiver at Ohio State University. Uh, played with the Dolphins. He played some arena football and. He's well-known around these parts. Yeah, he's well-known out here in Arizona, too, because I believe he, he, he it was a heartbreak oh, yeah. that he delivered he, to he, Arizona. That last drive at, uh, at the, Rose the Rose Bowl. Bowl yes. Oh, his and, and Jermaine, one of your uh, natives out there. There you go. And, uh, they they took it down, he and Jermaine, and uh, Boston, and who played for the Cardinals. Uh, yes. David Boston ended up making the final touchdown, to, uh, caught the final pass to uh, – secure the game for us right but you were saying he just stanley's my son and uh he was uh well he went down to miami as a free agent and his one of our uh, local agent here in columbus was representing him but he was also representing uh uh, orlando pace and sean springs and uh that's what that's some of the advice i'll get to that later that i'd like to give young men when they're coming out of school they look for somebody who really really believe in them and uh is going to be there for them and believe that they can play in the league because if they don't have a belief in them and and they've got other players that are that are going to make them a, a bigger dollar then they're going to focus more on them and not on the on the kid that's going to not bring them quite as much money. So you want to get with somebody who's going to have a passion for 
doing what they do, and and basically a, a firm belief in and uh, and the fact that those the athlete that they have or the, the one that they want to represent can make it in the in, in the league. But what happened to my son was similar to this kid is. Um, he was down at Miami playing for Jimmy Johnson. Uh, Jimmy Johnson had just won uh, world championship out of Dallas. And my son, there was three three teams calling uh, constantly, wanting him right after the draft was over. Uh, the Giants, uh, Colts, and Miami. And he chose to go to Miami because he wanted to play for Jimmy Johnson. Plus, his mom lived down there, and that was a bad choice on his part. I tried to advise him differently. But his agent went with it, and uh, they, he went on down there. And before the end, the last uh, cut, uh, he went in and, uh, to find out whether or not they thought he would make the team. And they thought Jimmy Johnson was honest with him because he was a former colleague of mine. He was coaching at Oklahoma State when I was out at Iowa State University, and he knew who I was. So my son made sure that they. He went up and, and, you know, introduced himself and, and told him who his dad was and all of that stuff. So he knew exactly who he was. And my son was doing very well down there. And uh, so Jimmy Johnson had planned. He told him, no, he wasn't going to keep him on. He wasn't going to make the team, but he'd like to keep him on as a, as a practice squad player, which he would have been making nice money, much better than he can find out here anywhere. And uh, But my son was a little bit antsy and, of course, being a little... <laughs> Uh, confident, uh, extremely confident in his abilities. He wanted to basically get cut by Jimmy Johnson so that he'd have time before the last cut, so that he'd have time to make it with one of these other teams who were constantly calling, like the Giants and uh, the Colts. And uh, so Jimmy Johnson told him, no, I'm not going to cut you. I want to keep you on as a, as a practice squad player. So what they did is they would have to release him at the last cut, mm-hmm. and he would be a free agent. And for 24 hours, you know, somebody would have a chance to pick him up. And what was supposed to happen is his agent was supposed to call Jimmy Johnson and them and let them know that he was interested in that position, you know? Yes. The agent never called. Mm. And that cost him a career in the NFL. Yes. Yeah, well, because he definitely could play. You know that. And, I, and well, everybody yeah. that knows Demetrius knows that he was a big-time football player. And... Yeah. Um, that cost him, and because of that, Jimmy, well, I can't say this. Well, I can't say it firmly. He was blackballed from the league as a result of that because uh, Jimmy Johnson thought that he just, you know, didn't want to play for him after that. Well, you know, that's because interesting. Because his agent didn't call. Yeah, there's a, there's a number of scenarios that, that, that transpire when, when young men have an opportunity to play football and and you mentioned a couple of those, in fact, that your son was a part of it. You know, there's a relationship between the agent and the player, the agent, you know, and, and the team and the administration, and the, the, you know, the relationship between the agent and the coach, you know, because sometimes the coach will leave that team, go to another team, and, right. and, and then the agent still has a relationship with the organization, you know, because some of those people may stay behind, you know. Yeah. Uh, so but there that's are a lot how we of very... found out that that actually my son got blackballed because we didn't know that initially. We were we were confused. We were flabbergasted, you know, that he hadn't. Uh, they didn't call him after they had promised him that they would keep him on as a free agent. But that wasn't their job. Their job, the job that was the job of the agent to call to make them know that uh, they wanted that deal. And his agent. Well, well we got interruption there. Yeah, you know, that was my. Other... <laughs> Um, but anyway, well, that's okay. Well, well, listen, Coach. That's unfortunate that happened because you know th- th- there's an experience, as you said, that 
that you knew that your son could contribute to the National Football League, and he played with many guys that did contribute to the National Football League, but he's doing some good things now, yes, you know, yeah. in uh, there in Columbus, and uh, we certainly are proud of him for the things he did there. But let me ask you something, because I wanted to move on, because I know there's some guys there now that you obviously – in Columbus, have gotten a chance to watch them play over the years. Oh, yeah. You know, you got another father-son kind of thing there. Not, you know, you got Rubisky, who his dad is coaching in the league. Uh-huh. Uh, you, you got, you know, Leonidas there. You know, Leonidas, the, the, obviously the great linebacker, been starting for three years. I think better three-year All-American, maybe starting four years. And you got Malcolm Jenkins there. We got, you know, possibly uh, two first-rounders for sure. And uh, Robisky certainly should go in, in, in the first day there. Uh, of the three, who do you think, I mean, of the two, Malcolm or Lorenz, who do you think will go earlier? Well, <laughs> I'd just like to talk to you a little bit about Malcolm Jenkins. I don't know who's listening, whether the NFL is listening to your show or not. Well, you never know the world is listening. Yeah, I know. And <laughs> I heard that he was, um, they they have some concerns about him playing cornerback or not. But I, I'm I'm here to tell you. He is one of the finest athletes I've ever been around and got to witness them playing the game of football. This kid came in here and he played for four years in a row every down, okay? And he, as a six foot one, whatever he is, a corner, he's a big corner, and he's got the quicks, the hip action that you need to play cornerback, but he can also go back there and play safety. I've never seen a defensive back since uh, uh, Deion Sanders just take over a game and control it. I mean, with interceptions, with knockdown passes, covering where they, they just, he just cut off one side of the field where they, they won't even come over there. So, you know, he, there were some times when he got lazy and, 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 and wasn't focused on the field because, you know, the people weren't, they just decided they weren't going to attack him a lot of the time. And he got a man who gotten beat. But in the pros, I'm sure they're not going. He wouldn't take that time off ever, and he would be focused full time all the time because they. And, and if they come over his way, he's going to get the job done. And the thing about Malcolm and that uh, Deion Sanders didn't do is tackle. Malcolm Jenkins will hit you. He knock your socks off. Well, you know it's interesting that you That's said you, you mentioned that about Malcolm and his focus because there's another good friend of ours, and that is a man by the name of Pete Carroll. And Pete, yeah, oh I'll never God. forget my days when you were there. Yep. And Pete was our secondary coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, Pete is almost as if Pete was a player. Because yes, Pete knew he's still that way. I can't believe he got that energy. Oh, yeah, he now. still got that energy. There's no doubt about it. He has that energy. And Pete. The energy he had when he was here. That's amazing, isn't it? Oh, yeah, same energy. You know, he is definitely. A, Pete is a college coach. He, he, he should have never been. And yeah. I hope he never will go back to the yeah. NFL because he is a college coach. But let me say this. Pete was the kind of coach that I became the kind of player because Pete would pay attention to detail so much that when you talk about a player taking a playoff and not being focused, Pete would look at my stance and say, Ray, I'm sorry, you, you, you're, not, you know, you're not ready to play football right here. You're right. And I'm like, you're what, absolutely what do you right. And he, could look, he said, he look. Nowadays, you have, you have one secondary coach, okay? Nowadays, they have two. Oh, yeah, I'm aware. I'm oh, aware. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, but Pete was the kind of guy. He looked. He said, "Well, look, I can just look at your knees. Look, your, your knees aren't bent. You, you're not ready to play. You know, you, <laughs> that's right. You, you might be tired or something. But those same things that he picked up on mm-hmm. are the kind of things when you get to the next level in the pros are the things that quarterbacks look for. 
And so when they've got an option, oh, they're going to check off and they're going to audible and they're going to get you. So Malcolm, hey, we're going to continue to talk about Malcolm on the other side of break, but we got music, so we got to take a break. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. Of course, I got with me Coach Wayne Stanley from The Ohio State University. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back after this. to the pros we we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports so andy serling packed his bags left the city and is enjoying his temporary digs in saratoga but that won't stop us from bringing you playing to win the best online handicapping show for serious horse players catch andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of august on location from the beautiful saratoga race course he and his guests are some of the best in the biz they bring you new insights to making money and they tell it like it is i'm three five one in this race but the three is very much the one to be we're going to completely disagree on this race i absolutely despise her especially at one to two and it's anything but the same old horse racing show this is a nine horse field but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras playing to win with andy serling a show seriously committed to making more money at the game but with a personality this is a dunce cap horse for me if this horse wins next week i got the dunce cap on you bet.com's playing to win presented by the daily racing form look for it the day before big race days mostly fridays find a complete schedule in the daily racing form or click on playing to win at you bet.com Joe Cribs, No Average Joe is here for you, the fan, to hear about and discuss the week's top stories in the world of sports. We'll discuss not only the headliners, but you'll hear some of the smaller stories that don't usually make it on the sports wires today. It's a forum for the sports fan, hosted by Joe Cribs, a three-time pro bowler with the Buffalo Bills. Joe is a 10-year pro football veteran, a former Southeastern Conference most valuable player, and a member of the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame. Discuss the topics with Joe Cribbs, No Average Joe, Mondays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. back we listen to rail of sports on the voice america network of course i got with me coach wayne stanley formerly running back coach for the ohio state university and coach i, I want to ask you a question because i purposely did this to see if you was going to say anything to me i only named three people that perhaps maybe well two of them that i believe are first rounders but we know we got another one out there and, and that's that's the big fella, Benny Wells. Talk to me a little bit about. I mean, he's a running back. You obviously, when I was there, coached those running backs. What What do you look at Benny? And and some on the on the draft board, I've heard that he could end up with the Cleveland Browns. What do you think about being his chances of where he might land? Well, I, you know, I'm not really sure about where he might land, but what I am certain about, and see, Benny is still raw, and he's healthy. You know, he missed a couple games, and I want the world to know. And but, Coach, can he, can he stay healthy? You said he is healthy. Yeah, C- can he yeah, stay he's healthy? he's very healthy right now. But the thing is, if he had a couple little minor nicks. See, the thing is about running backs is you can't roll without your wheels. 
Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And he heard he had a little toe. He had this toe. And, and a lot of people that aren't familiar with football, the, the toe, turf toe. Right. They don't understand the kind of pain that you have when you have a turf <laughs> toe. And as a running back, you can't push off. So That's therefore, right. you cannot run. <laughs> you can't accelerate. You right. can't drive. You know, you can, it's just impossible for a running back to play with a turf toe. Right. And he had this high ankle sprain, which sometimes is really hard to get over. Sometimes it takes a guy a whole year just to rehab. But the thing is, and those were very, that was very unfortunate for him. But let me tell the world. There ain't a running back out there finer than Beanie, Chris Beanie Wells. You you would take you would take Beanie, Beanie Wells, Wells right now. Beanie Wells has a lot of the natural things that a lot of the running backs that's coming out today do not have. You got to coach them, you know. Yeah. You got to coach them stiff arm. You got to coach them pulling that inside leg away, pushing the head down, things like that. Throwing the forearm, you know, getting the shoulders into them and separating with the forearm. Chris Beanie Wells does all of that stuff natural, but the thing that he has that's finer than most after, most running backs today is he's got vision. He oh, can yeah. see it. He can feel it. And a lot of time in the pros, they're, uh, they're zone blocking all the time. So the running back is left to find the hole. Unlike when we used to run, you know, we wanted to create a hole. We created that hole at that spot, and the running back's got to know that's where you go. You accelerate from your seven yards behind the quarterback and get to that hole as fast as you can and the fullback is up in there and he cleared and you hit that hole with leverage and, and going through there. That's not the way they do it anymore. They're zone blocking. The running back's got to find the scene. Uh, uh, offensive lineman, we got one offensive lineman that's superior over the, the, the defensive line, then he's going to control that defensive lineman. Okay? And then that, that running back's got to set that block up Make him think he's going to the outside. The defensive guy, he's running hard to the outside, and he just cut back in behind the tail of the, of the offensive lineman. And Beanie does that so well. He can find it. He's got vision. He's tough as nails. And he, he will run you over if he need be. But well, Coach, I'm going to tell you what I – He's got that at 200 and something pounds, he's got, he's got a small guy's quickness. Yes. And it's, it's un. It's uncanny, actually, for a guy that size to be that quick. Yeah, I, you know, and I agree with you. When I look at Beanie, and, and I, for some reason or another, I don't know why I haven't heard the comparison. And, you know, perhaps maybe it's an unjust one, but I'm not saying that he has the ability or he will ever become. But I mean just if you look at the man, how physical, how I many his size, when you first look at him, and then you also look at, the, you know, his running ability and his running style – and I just see a little bit of Jim Brown in him. I don't know where that comes from. Yes, he does. I, I see a little bit of Jim like Brown. <laughs> That's what's so and, odd. Yeah, and he's and he's a, he's a huge man. And again, the speed that Jim Brown had, you know. And I I've been one of those people, and I haven't been critical of Jim Brown. But here's what I have said about Jim: I would have liked to see Jim play in a generation of closer to today's athlete than when he played back then, only because, and not to say that he, I believe Jim, I would I would draft Jim. He'd be on my team. But I think that, again, the physical pounding that athletes take today and even generations before today is just much different than when you had, you know, I was a defensive back. I was a corner at 6'1", you know, 190. Yeah, you, you know, you, you Yeah, you, you, you didn't have corners. Then, then, then they became safeties, you know, or, or linebackers. Mm-hmm. And, and you don't have the big, fast men that you have now. I often ask people, 
you know, you got linebackers now weighing 250. You know, where the hell did the 250 linebacker come from? Well, that person used to be a guard. That's yeah. what he used to be. Exactly. He wasn't a linebacker. He he was a guard, you know. And Jim Brown, you know, the defensive backs that he played against, they were five eight, five nine, five ten, you know, and maybe you know, one hundred sixty five, hundred seventy five pounds. You know, they weren't the two hundred pound safeties and and, and two hundred fifty pound linebackers that you right. have nowadays. But again, not taking anything away from him, but I just say Beanie Wells and and that stiff arm. You know, one thing that Beanie does and and. I'd love a running back that can do it, but as a defensive back, I always hated. I thought it was the most embarrassing thing, other than to get, get beat deep. Yeah, was for and, somebody and to stiff arm you and oh, knock you man, down. You, I don't know if you've ever been up close to him or not. Oh yeah, I met him. I met him a couple times. Two uh, about two hundred pounds. His arms the size of my thighs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the man is—he has a kind of—he has the knack with that stiff. See, some people they don't know how to use a stiff arm properly. He times it perfectly. Oh, man, that's a learned thing, though. When he was here, uh, we've had several—we had several conversations about the stiff arm and and basically sizing up a tackler prior to the tackler approaching the tackler, getting your head, uh, keeping your eyes up. Seeing the field ahead of you, once once you once you know that a guy's going to hit you or he's going to attempt to tackle you, then that's that guy you're not worried about anymore. It's the next guy and the guy after him that you're concerned about. Keeping your eyes upfield, you know, and he he's a quick learn. Well, coach, let me say something because you, you you're educating me a little bit here because I've always been one of the attitude that a great running back is not taught. To be a great running back, a great running back, things just come natural to that person. It's just you—you you can't teach somebody, like you said, vision. You—you you can't teach them when to cut and how far to cut that back. They see it. I mean, you—you you never see it. The pursuit is me, coming let me, so let me fast. Change that now. Let me let me let me educate you on that. Repetition too. It can be taught. It can be taught. You can take like. Okay, let me tell you. For instance, Tim. Tim take Barry Sanders for a minute and tell me that. Can you teach Barry Sanders? I had Tim Spencer and Keith Byers. Tim Spencer, I had to coach all of the things, a lot of those things about being a running back when he came, because he was more of a linebacker when he came to me. Mm-hmm. You know, and he was not as um, mm, agile. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, Keith Byers, he could do all of those things. He he had those things naturally. Now, a lot of kids today don't get out and play the game like we did. Mm-hmm. See, a lot of those things we had – and they, it appeared to be instinctive back in the day that the guy was making these cuts and doing all of that, but it wasn't. It was because he was out on the playground 24-7 on the weekends doing these things every day. So it was a still a, it was a learned thing, but it appeared to be instinctive because he was doing it when he got to high school. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no. and, I, and I agree with you, but I, here's my question is, those things that are instinctive and those things – that are taught. I mean, you can tell somebody, okay, the hole's going to be back there. You got to be patient. You got to wait. Mm-hmm. But sometimes a running back cuts on a dime, and mm-hmm. and you know you. It's like a somebody's pursuing him from his left. He's running right. They pursuing, and he's able to cut back behind that person just by planting his foot and going back or spinning and something. And and do you really teach those things? Yeah, I'm not sure if you can really teach. Being able to use your peripheral vision and all of that is just. Like Cal Murray, like when I coached Cal Murray, uh, he was one of my, he was a starting running back for me when I first came in 79. He was a starter. He was probably one of the best that I ever coached. Mm-hmm. But, but I coached 
a lot of the uh, cuttings, you know, and being able to read blocks and, and doing those things. But he was a student of the game. He studied it. And everything I told him, he just hung on it, and he did it so well. It was, yeah, it can be coached. Well, you know, I, I uh, man, I'm glad to hear that from somebody who, like you said, coached some very good running backs. I mean, all the guys you're naming, obviously, you know, played in the National Football League. I played with Cal myself. One thing I, when we went to Philadelphia, one thing that I thought Cal Murray did wrong is sometimes, and I, I had a conversation with somebody in the office earlier today, is many times people are intimidated by the next level. And they think you have to get bigger, much yeah, bigger, and you got to put on much more weight. Yeah. And you don't have to do it. You have, it's just a gradual progression. Those people, when you were a freshman, those guys that are now, you know, three-year veterans in the NFL, when you're a rookie, they were seniors. So if mm-hmm. you played against them when you were a freshman, don't be intimidated. They're the same people. So, And that's what I, I – some or another, my Ooh. mindset, even when I played ball, what I would do when we were getting ready to pray somebody yeah. – <laughs> Prior to the game, when I'm in my locker, I would get the program out, the NFL program, and I'd go down the list, and I'd see where all the guys played ball at. And to me, that just registered all, well, no, he can't be that good, can't be that good, (laughs) you know, because we played against them, you know. And so I wasn't intimidated by where they came. And many times, based upon the program, and I'm going to give Pete Carroll some more, you know, props on this, based upon the program you come from, you know, you get a reputation just by stepping on the field. Right now, he's got four linebackers, of which perhaps maybe may all be first-round draft picks. I mean, uh, and and again, you coached at the university, at the Ohio State University, with a program where, again, the expectations of the players are that when people meet you, there's a certain amount of respect you get because you participate in a program with people like you who, like you said, you coach these players to be good. It, it wasn't all just natural instincts. Yeah. And well, so I want to come. One thing you can't teach is speed. Well, you know, but you know, here's one other thing, Coach. You say that, but I tell you what, all these guys nowadays that are coming out, they are spending money, and they are going to these facilities. They got a number of them here in Arizona, and they're coming into these facilities, and they're coming in. And by the time they go to the combine, mm-hmm. they've knocked two tenths of a second off of their forty time. Two tenths is a lot. That, that's a, that's a, you I, see, I've seen guys knock. Maybe one tenth off, but two tenths is an awful okay, lot. Okay, well, let's give them. Let, you know let, what? The thing is that they had it anyway. It's just, what they're teaching is the fundamental. There you go. Running. That's it. Okay, and a lot of the guys, they, they get on the line. They don't know that as soon as you step over, the, you know, you pull your hand up, that the clock is starting. So they keep their hand down and take the step first. You See, know what I mean? It's, it's, um, it's, it's all the teaching, and then they, they can learn, they can take a tenth of a second off just by fundamentally doing it right and knowing basically what the other guys are looking for. Now, see, but you just said something there. Mm-hmm. Again, you were teaching, and I, I said that at the start of the show, you know, that it's all about, you know, who's being taught, who's not being taught, and how they apply what they're being taught. We're going to take a break, Coach. Hold on, because I want you to come back for the next segment, too. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. 
So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely despise her, especially at 1-2. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine-horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. We some hard hitters. We some hard hitters. Hard hitting radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show. Your hosts are NFL veterans Mark McMillan and co-host Byron Evans. It's an hour of hater-free radio every week. You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard hitting radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific time, 6 p.m. Eastern time on the. Voice America Sports Network. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. Back goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. His foot is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. We're back here with the Rail of Sports on the Voice of America Network. I got a special guest with me today, it's Coach Wayne uh-huh. Stanley, and uh, a coach from the Ohio State University. Where he coached some great running backs. He talked about, of course, uh, there was Kyle Murray, who played for the Philadelphia Eagles, Tim Spencer, San Diego Chargers, and now coach for the Chicago Bears, and, of course, Keith Byers. And we all know that Keith played for New England Patriots, for the Eagles, uh, and Keith just had an outstanding career. Uh, Coach, let me just ask you one thing. We, we talked about teaching there just as we were leaving. And, and as I said, you know, two-tenths of a second, because if you're going to deal with the start and you're going to save a tenth of a second with the start, and then you got guys who don't know how to run, you're going to get another tenth of a second. All of a sudden now you got an offensive lineman who may be running, you know, five flat, and now he's turning into 4.8. You know, you got a linebacker who's that running 4.9. He's turning into 4.7, you know. And so, you know, I guess what you're saying then is that, Speed can be taught when it comes to running these 40-yard dashes. No. Speed can't be taught. Technique can be taught. Fundamentals, technique, yes. But what happens is the, the speed of, in terms of your time, you now, because somebody's teaching you, instead of you running that five flat as a lineman, you're going to run a 4-8. Exactly. What you did is you, got, you, you didn't take a false move when you started, mm-hmm. and on your way down there, you were fundamentally sound, so you made up a little time. And, you know, that little time can cost you a couple million dollars nowadays. Yes, it can. And wow. that is definitely factual. Well, let me, add, let me say this to you now. We, we're talking about teaching now. Let's talk about something else. Let's talk about boys to men. Mm-hmm. And here's what I mean by that. Young boys 
are being recruited coming out of high school. And when they come out of high, when they coming out of high school, going into college, Mm -hmm. they leave college and they go into pros. Mm -hmm. So can you give me a comparison in your mind, what you think? And you probably haven't had to do this before, but the reason why I asked is because there's a 15 minute interview that these coaches get with these young men that they're about to draft and they're making, you know, you know, some type of assessment on their entire livelihood. Now I ask you that because you catch them and you used to catch them as boys coming out of high school, going into college. How much different in your opinion, because it's all about sports is a recruiting process than the drafting process. (laughs) Well, they get to do, they get to actually, you know, touch the players and, and, you know, and pull at them and yank at their arms and, <laughs> and twist okay, their okay. and do all of that stuff to see if there's some injuries there. They get to actually see them actually put them through drills, you know, where we can't do that. We have to watch the film and try and um, guesstimate their speed and quickness. You know, uh, I, I think that uh, one of our former assistants, when you were there, his name was Bill Miles. He taught me uh, when when I first started coaching because I was only two years out of college when I came here to Ohio State University, which mm-hmm. was un- kind of unprecedented too. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he taught me like the two stepper, and the two stepper is uh, what 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 he meant by that was if a guy takes two steps from one line running full speed, now he has to already be at top speed but at the while while he's floating in in his full stride at top speed if he can go two steps in between each five yards then you know this guy can run a four or five at least mm-hmm. okay so then we knew but now lineman is different you know it's just getting from one spot to the next what you look for more than speed and alignment is quickness and being able to move from uh, the time that he gets free from a, from an offensive lineman to the time that he reaches the quarterback, or if he's chasing, uh, say, a defensive lineman in high school is chasing a running back or a skilled person, and he catch up, then you know this guy can run. That's one of the things that I saw with uh, with um, Reggie White when I was recruiting him from high school out of Chattanooga Howard High School. Mm. Uh, Reggie White. One of my favorite teammates. Lined up on the left side of the defensive line, okay? He came upfield. The ball went the other way. He came down behind the offensive line and chased the running back down 25 yards down the field. Wow. Now, that tells me that I can recruit this guy. Now, of course, it's his fundamentals and his technique because they only had one coach was horrible. Mm-hmm. But I knew that was a 255-pound guy that's six foot five that could run like that, I could coach that guy. Well, okay? let, me, well let me tell you, his fundamentals improved. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they you did. can believe that, man. He, they, uh, they, they, the standard now <laughs> for defensive linemen and the things that he did. Oh, yeah. Well, let me just – well, here's, here's another question then, you know, to that – I guess to that, to, to that same subject matter, when I look at the guys that, that you talked about and what you don't get a chance to see them do, do you really think this combine is advantageous to the players to go there and demonstrate some some agilities and some skill sets that perhaps maybe cannot be seen in a football game? Is, is this to their benefit or to their detriment? 
I've seen nothing but the latter, actually. Everybody gets hurt by going to the combine instead of helping themselves, you think? 90% of the time, I would say. So so as as one who would advise a young man coming out of college, um, you know, is it a thing where they don't go to the combine or they I mean, if you get invited to the combine, how can you how can you say no? Say they're concerned about something and they're, they're going to use that against you, too. What I would do at, and like um, what Sean Springs and Orlando Pace and only the top guys can actually force this on them is to say that. I don't, I don't feel like I can run the 40 today. So when you come to my school, because not all the schools have these combines at their school. They don't have that luxury like the kids coming out of Ohio State and Alabama, USC, and places like that. Mm-hmm. But if I'm at Ohio State University, I'm not going over there and running the 40-yard dash. Mm. I tell them, hey, I'll run it when you get back here. I got a little twang in my, my muscle, you know, or something like that. I, I just can't do it. So what's the advantage of running at Ohio State as opposed to running it someplace else? You're in your own environment. You uh, Basically, your coach will be there, and he'll have a clock just like they'll have a clock. Because it's all about <laughs> saving dollars when you go over there. They're trying not to pay you the money that they paid the last guy or whatever. You know, and it's and it's all business, man. Hey, Coach, I can't believe you said that because I'm going to tell the truth. You know, you know, my 40 time was better at Ohio State when, when, when Coach Fred Bruning, who holds all the interception records at Ohio State University, came in and timed me at Ohio State than any place else. Now, I don't, oh, know really? if we, I don't know if we got a different clock at Ohio State, but... <laughs> <laughs> you know, he came in and Homer, that's a Homer there, but oh, I don't <laughs> Hey, but he moved he did the Malcolm Jenkins thing to me. He moved me from corner to safety. And 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 that certainly, you know, helped my career, the longevity of my career, because perhaps maybe at, at corner uh, it may not have lasted as long as it did as safety. But but that's interesting, the perspective that you give, you know, as somebody who's had a son who's probably gone through this process, you know, somebody who's coached and now somebody who's on the outside. And I'm just curious of the answers you gave us today, because that's one thing about here at Voice America Sports and particularly on Ray Ellis Sports is you can say what you want. There's no such thing as a company line here. Right. So would you have given me different answers to those questions if you were still coaching at The Ohio State University? <laughs> then you just. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, coach, I want to thank you. I know you're doing something quickly. We, we got to close this show, but you're doing something very special for a very special special person in my heart and in my mind who's no longer with us. Can you tell us tell us a little bit about that? Well, I'd like to read this. Uh, well, Todd we, got about two, we got about two minutes, Coach. Okay. Todd Bell uh, was a very special individual. He came to us from high school as the probably the, he was the number one athlete in the state of Ohio. Uh, he long jumped, broke Jesse Owens' high school long jump record at 20, over 25 feet. Uh, the guy could run 4-4 four, four and under. He was 200-and-something pounds, played linebacker in high school, came here and played defensive back. He was phenomenal. But the thing that Todd was is he was like a special person. And what they're doing here at Ohio State University is they have a, they started the Todd Bell Foundation. As we And, and I'm going to read you a little line here. As we hope you know, Ohio State honors Todd Bell memory with the Todd, Bell a, Todd A. Bell National Resource Center on the African-American male. The center is supported by the university and by an annual luncheon. And that is building on the endowment fund. This year, for the first time, an event is being hosted on the night before the luncheon for you and the other 
Buckeye players to have an opportunity to come together and to group to learn more about the center's activity. So be there, Ray. Hey, man, you know, I just can't say enough about about you and about everybody else who's taking upon themselves to make this thing happen. Todd. And you're going to be our MC next year. Well, hey, I'm I'm looking forward to it. But Todd, you know, my teammate, my friend, Todd Anthony Bell, God bless you. Let me just say this. I was at the Super Bowl, ran into Sean Gale. Sean and I both said, guess how we learned how to play safety? Not from a coach. Yeah. But from Todd Bell. I'm Bell. God bless you. Hey, you've been listening to Rail Sports on the Voice America Network. I got to do this. I hate to do this, but I always have to do this. I got to say this. I'll see you next time, which will be the best time.